We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try. Yes, yeah. Hey, Jacob. <laughs> Hi, Scott. How are you? Um, I'm going through it lately, honestly. Are you? Yeah. How do you like yeah. how I threw that little extra ad lib tagline in there uh, after the Hey Scott or Hi Scott? The Hi Scott, how are you? I said, how are you? Yeah. I know so. because I usually do that and it's left to you to start that whole thing. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I'm not usually answering this first. <laughs> <laughs> wait. So you just said something important. You've been going through it and I, I have too. I suspect that a lot of people um, tuning into this session episode will agree with that. What's been going on for you, brother? Um, wait, why do you suspect a lot of people would agree with that? Is there something specific you're thinking about or just because so many of us are going through it a lot these days? <laughs> like everyone's <laughs> always going through it. I mean, kind of that, but also, you know, the power path, um, which, by the way, I need to introduce you to Jose and Lena. They live right there in your town. Um, Please do. That's right. Yeah, Really cool folks. But the Power Path in October was the theme. They do a monthly update. The theme was tumultuous transitions. And uh, I start, yeah, I started that month going, oh, interesting. That's like um, interesting. You know, like I've got a lot going on. I didn't realize at the beginning of that month that I would have been, you know, I was going to be moving right away. Um, and so that added a tumultuous transition in my life. Yeah. Um, but then this month, Scott, their theme is um, a new fertility and the last year has been kind of filled with pretty, pretty heavy duty themes for the month. And I loved this one because it's talking about, you know, so it was like, oh, a new fertility. That sounds, that sounds a little gentler than some of these other ones. But <laughs> I, I love what they said here. Um, the theme of new fertility is giving us the opportunity to reevaluate how we think, what we believe, and to move into a new way of being productive, sustainable, and abundant. Hmm. Like it is that. clear the old ways are crumbling and what's been secure and supportive in the past is no longer something we can rely on. We're moving out of a very masculine, active, aggressive time and into a more feminine expression of support, which includes a necessary attention to what is fer fertility and how we bring it into our lives. To have the most fertile ground requires fertilizing it. And I love this next section. Our fertilizer is, com is the compost of our past patterns, experiences, lessons, trauma, grief, successes, disappointments, karmic relationships, challenges, opportunities, taken opportunities, missed, and of anything else we've experienced in our past. Turning the past into good fertile compost requires letting go of your attachment to it. So I thought that was interesting um, way to frame what's going on right now. And I'm curious if you relate to any of that. Yeah, with a lot of it, actually. You know, it, it, I, I resonate with all, most of what you've read. Um, yeah, I just I feel I feel kind of destabilized right now. Like mm. I was going to say unstable, but unstable feels a little harsher than destabilized. Yeah. Uh, Cuz I don't know that I feel unstable, but I feel um I definitely feel ungrounded. Mm. And I you know, Jacob, I'm feeling like I mean kind of what you were reading just the the my mind has the reins lately. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm witnessing it and even when I'm remembering, I'm not my thoughts and doing all the things that 
I not only know to do, but are actually helpful. Right. Um, they're not as helpful <laughs> lately. <laughs> you know, like the, the, the mind is pretty committed to just holding on to stories, old yeah. stories. I mean, you brought up the past and I'm not going to talk too much about what I'm going to say right now, which is just that I've been, as you know, I've been seeing a couple. So um, a couple of men who are in relationship with each other to make it abundantly clear what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> for all of you who have no idea what polyamory looks like or throuples. Um, and it's been wonderful and they're both really wonderful. And I'm looking at just the ways in which like I could, I could be with them and spend a weekend with them. That's, that's a, a wholly fulfilling weekend on every level and come away from it. And this isn't what happens every time, but uh, it, it can happen and has, and I'll come away from this wonderful weekend. And then some part of my mind will go to this place of it's all, it's all going to fall apart. They've, they're going to lose interest. They lost interest when nothing happening other than having just experienced a beautiful weekend with them. And then coming into this place of questioning whether, you know, I'm someone they're going to maintain interest in. And, and at the same time, what's so wild about it for me is that there is, there's another part of me that's so steeped in my worth, like the lo loving who I am and knowing what a catch I am and how lucky anyone is to be able to have this kind of relationship with me. And I really mean that, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, this other place that just feels um, really ungrounded in, and this is just one example in it. And I was talking with a dear friend of mine and we were, we were like, it's amazing how in the context of, of getting to know new people and if it, there's a romance to it or a sexual element to it, it's just amazing how unhealed you can feel or like how the possibility of healing can seem, it can seem impossible. Like, cause these old wounds and old stories just get triggered left and right. And it just feels, and so what you were reading and then I'll, I'll stop talking for a minute. What, what you were reading actually resonates a lot because part of what I felt they were saying um, is reflecting on the past and is as compost, which is acknowledging that these old stories and these wounds and these patterns, that there's, there's so many gifts in a lot of it. And if you're able to like hold space for the learning that can come from having experienced what you've experienced and understand that that's not who you are, it's what you've experienced, you can, you can grow from that. And so all the stuff that's coming up in this relationship with these two guys, but even beyond that, it's coming in, in all areas of my life right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and there's a part of me that's like, oh, this is good. Thank you for showing me this. Like, thank you, life. Thank you, God. Thank you, spirit. This is good. It's something I need to look at. It's something I need to work on. And then there's another part of me that is feeling like, well, fuck, fuck. Like, when is this ever going to get resolved? And even though I know that some things will never get resolved and can be peaceful with that, lately, I don't feel as peaceful with it. I feel like I don't, 
I'm lost in it a little bit and not even really knowing where I am or what I'm wanting because I'm just like ping ponging back and forth between like trusting and feeling overwhelmed and just disappointed that these old stories still have so much weight. So that's where I am. (laughs) There's a taste. I was just sitting here thinking how grateful I am to have this chance to um, be near you as you talk about things like this, because you, you really have a great gift of being honest, Scott, and, um, and of opening the door to what would feel probably very sensitive to a lot of people. And I wish I could, I wish I could look across our community of listeners right now and ask for a show of hands, how many people can relate to feeling frustrated by being, you know, having done so much inner work and so much growth and then still have old things that we thought were taken care of, put to bed, you know, come up. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm so glad you brought up the word destabilized. Um, That's something I've been holding quite a bit lately. Uh, It reminds me of Paulo Coelho. He wrote, um, the universe will always test your will either by having nothing happen at all or by having everything happen at once. Mm, (laughs) I think a lot of times we think of things that are destabilizing, something that rocks our sense of security, certainty. I think a lot of times we think of that in terms of things that are really, you know, negative, lose a job or we lose a bunch of money in the stock market or we, you know, whatever, whatever we go through a divorce and those are destabilizing. But I'm reminded that, anything that rocks our equilibrium, our sense of homeostasis. And I think that's even a a better way to understand it. Like our brain is always seeking homeostasis. It wants to feel like things are certain. Even if things, even if the things that are certain aren't our best life, the thing that we really love. So it's interesting to me to hear you talk about this one aspect of it, Scott, and think what you just described can happen in so many different parts of life, whether it's a beautiful new romance or a new job or some new opportunity or something that feels so exciting and good. Like we're having a dream fulfilled here in some way that by itself can be destabilizing to the homeostasis, our sense of, Hey, this is what life looks like. It's like all of a sudden I have these new factors and by the way, they're factors I really, really desired. Why don't I feel better about it? Yeah. Well, the why for me is, at least in in my in my experience right now with my mind is it's just this acute awareness of all the ways in which i i'm so i'm i'm a, i'm hypersensitive and not just that i'm sensitive to people's energies and stuff like that like that is true but my feelings get hurt so easily and yeah. It's wild to me because I know it's like, I know not to take things personally and I don't just know it intellectually. Like I know it in my being, you know, I know it in my heart. And, and yet I look at how, how wounded I can get by things that aren't even, they're not even mean or they're not even intentional. It can be like a little comment and I will internalize it. And then I look at that and look at how, how, like borderline narcissistic that can be to think everything's like every comment is about you and like that you're getting wounded by it. And it's not that I verbalize this. I do a lot of, I do a lot of this kind of processing on my own. And and even that for me, Jacob is like mm-hmm. balancing out the part of me that 
for all you Enneagram listeners, I am an Enneagram nine. And oh, if you ask if you landed on that yet, yo, yeah, yeah. And I, I really appreciate the Enneagram and the insights that come through it, but in, and at the same time, don't, I don't align myself with any one way of looking at anything, but nines are the peacemakers and their core wound is conflict. Mm. And so one of the ways in which, one of the ways in which nines will react in general in their lives is avoid conflict at all costs and create harmony. And one way to do that is never inserting yourself and never stating clearly what it is you need and instead just going with the flow. And I feel like, I'm very gifted at going with the flow and in part because I can go with the flow. I love that about myself. Like I don't, I'm not too caught up in like, unless I really have a strong opinion about it, but part, but then you do make yourself invisible. The more you're just going with the flow, Hey, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Yes. You start to, you can start to build resentment if you're doing it too much. And in the, I don't even know why I was bringing this up in the context of, Oh yeah. Like that for me, another balancing act is when I, when I need to insert myself in the context of a relationship, any relationship, friendship, romantic, family, if something's being said or things are being done that aren't feeling good to me, I try to be really like hyper proactive in looking at my triggers Mm -hmm. before bringing anything up and looking at like, what's going on for me here? What are like, what wound is being triggered? What, where is my responsibility in this? And sometimes I think I overcompensate and then don't end up bringing things up because I'm like, this is just all you and it's your story and whatever. And then even if that's the case, I don't know, Jacob, there's a lot going on in my experience. Cause part of me is like, you know what? there are going to be some stories you may never get over. And if you're in relationships that trigger those stories in a way that does not feel good for you, that is reason enough to not want to be in that relationship or friendship or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't have to wait till you're in this healed space to say, well, now I can walk away from this relationship that hasn't felt good for 20 years because I recognize that it really was, it's really not good for me. It's not just that I was being a wounded child in it. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Okay. I do. And, you know, I, it's been about nine, 10 years since I went through my divorce. And um, right after that, I got into another relationship pretty quickly. And during that relationship, Scott, that at the time was such a fulfillment of what the deficiency, the emotional vitamin deficiency I'd been experiencing for so many years in this marriage that um, it was like, it was like winning the lottery. I couldn't believe how much freedom, how much expression, how much connection, how much sex, how much all the things that were, were happening inside of that. And I, Um, and at the same time, I also, it, this is sort of just relating to what you said. I could feel how afraid I was. And I didn't know anything back then about the attachment styles and things like that. But, um, in retrospect, very, very anxious attachment style that I was experiencing. And so it was, you know, I would, and I'm not a jealous, I'm like, not, I don't tend to be wired to be jealous, like angry if you know, my significant other is interacting with someone else that doesn't come up for me. 
but more along the lines of what you were saying, like very subtle, a glance or a word or anything would set off this internal alarm bell that would just feel so scary and painful. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it, it freaked me out. It really bothered me, you know, like what's going on here. Cause even back then I had done a lot of inner work. And so I, I can really relate to what you're saying. And I, I think that some of those attachment things that, that happened even before we knew our own name, um, can really continue to affect us, you know, throughout life. And I think for me, this is not advice for you, but for me, when that stuff comes up, continuous, really reminding myself, let's be gentle with those parts. Um, my sister, Emily is, is, has done so much work in her life and she's done a lot of work with the internal family systems. And just today I was chatting with her about feeling destabilized <laughs> just this morning. And she is so kind. And I just love how it's become reflexive for her to ask, how are you meeting the parts that are feeling so destabilized right now? Like, tell me about how you're meeting those parts and essentially being very gentle with them because they're, they're not necessarily telling us the truth of the current situation. People are like, feelings always lie. Feelings don't lie. Feelings always tell a truth. A lot of times it's, it's a past, it's an outdated truth, but mm -hmm. there's a part of us that still believes that thing, whatever it is, is true. And so that gives me a lot more gentleness, I think, and grace to go, I didn't just lose my spiritual advancement um, level three and bump, got busted back to two. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe I did, but at least I feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beautiful perspective, brother. Thank you. You know, and I, and I, it's funny because I, I know that, you know, and I, and that's another thing I'm generally really good at is being gentle. But as you're talking, what I, what I was realizing is I've, I think I've been being, I've been being, is that English? I've been I think being, so. Yeah. I've been being more gentle with the, I think the, the wounded parts than I've actually just been with my mind in general, mm. you know, and that's, I think for me, something I need to remember is that when my mind does have the rain like this and is just being brutal, that I can hold space for it too, in a way that is like, is more loving, you know, and just, and the thing I, I just keep telling myself is like, this is going to pass. It always does. Like, so this is what's happening right now. You yeah. know, that's a statement I repeat a lot often is just like, this is what's happening right now, you know, and, and the mind is really good at convincing us that what's happening right now, especially when it's bad or heavy or uncomfortable is what's going to be happening forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a tricky time. And I've talked to a couple other friends too, who are feeling it. Mm -hmm. You know, my one friend texted about just hello, discomfort, my old friend. And that's really what I'm feeling, just a lot of discomfort in my lived experience right now, even while there are beautiful aspects to it. And yeah. a lot of loneliness, this this old story of loneliness, even though mm -hmm. I have a lot of love in my life. And yet, yeah. and, and the reminder there for me is how, I mean, I, for me, it's like, I'm I'm just thinking in, contradictions right now too but that is life it's like that is they're not even contradictions as much as just two different perspectives on on one thing which is that oh the the loneliness thing it, it's like understanding that 
what I'm seeking really is coming from within me. It, it's like you can have all the love in your life, but if you're feeling lonely, it's not, it's not necessarily because you're lacking people who love you, but because there's something within you that needs to still be healed and worked on and holding space for that, that understanding. And when I'm in my dark mind, my mind is like, so nothing matters. Like the love of other, like the love of others doesn't matter because this loneliness has nothing to do with them. So you're, you're inherently fucking fucked because you're feeling lonely, even though you have so much fucking love in your life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's, and that's where it comes to this, this feeling like, fuck, like when, when is this stuff going to be worked out? And even though more often than not, I feel peace in the knowing that some of the stuff's never going to get worked out. It's all, it's a lifelong journey and you can bring peace to that. If you can bring acceptance to the understanding or the belief that it's entirely possible, some of your core childhood wounds are going to live with you throughout your life and never be wholly healed. And you might continue to get triggered in dear relationships and like, that's okay. That's part of this human experience while at the same time, holding space for healing to be created around those same things, you know? Yeah. I love that. By the way, you probably, you have a, in Enneagram speak, you have a, a four wing, don't you? Like four. No, eight and no? one. Yeah. Your wings are what's right next to you on each side of you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. So three and five. So I'm, I'm very solidly at Enneagram four. Well, that blows that theory out of the water. Um, no, you, you, you come across to me as a, as a four, a lot of the time. And I think, <laughs> I think nines do, I think they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of connection. I have several nine friends and, um, but the sense of loneliness, you know, the four is the, is the individualist, the romantic, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And we were just, we are burdened with being the most unique type <laughs> ever. No one will ever fully understand us. In fact, we wouldn't even want them to be able to understand us because that's exactly. how unique we are. If you could fathom my well, then the well's not deep enough. Exactly. So, so no, but it's, I'm going back to that relationship I was just telling you about, Scott, and it was so interesting I like I had developed throughout my almost 20 year marriage, this habit of kind of just going with the flow. And by that, I mean, my then wife was never very enthusiastic about doing things with me, like going outside or hiking or any, any of the, any of the things. And whether it was physically active or not, she just really, really kind of wasn't into my stuff. Um, and when I had this new relationship, I was so overwhelmed with, you know, just being accepted and being cherished and and people, somebody being excited about me. So I was doing all the things that I used to do by myself. So during my marriage, I developed a long standing pattern of, I'm going to take care of kids and make sure, you know, things are working at home. And then, and then I'm not going to try to drag everybody out and go do my crazy stuff because they don't really want to do it. The kids are like, fuck off, dad, we, we have iPads or we have a iPad or whatever it was back then. Mm -hmm. Um, and my then wife was like, no, I'm tired. Why don't you just go do that on your own? So over, over the years, I developed this pattern of going and doing things on my own. And, and I would often during those times be walking by the river and I would take a picture and I'd think, man, I wish I had, you know, a love to share this with right now, this moment. And then eventually when I did have it, I noticed this absence of a, um, of a very old friend called solitude, called aloneness. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was this weird dichotomy of having what I had always wanted or mm-hmm. thought that I always wanted, but also then missing this friend of mine who was a very real presence in my life called loneliness, called solitude. And there was something so, and fours, we're also, we are also sweet, sweet sorrow, man. We love our sorrow. We love our feels. And so, um, but it was really interesting to just notice that I actually had an invisible friend who had been with me all of those years and somebody I had come to really cherish, um, called loneliness. And even though it, it felt like a lack in some ways, it was actually very important to me. And so later in life now, um, I've had the opportunity to truly be alone for some years and then, you know, be back in a relationship. And I've, I'm so grateful for it because it's helped me to remember that I actually do cherish my solitude. I really do cherish some of that stuff and that's, and there's nothing lacking. So if I notice that I'm wanting that aloneness, it's like, okay, clearly that part of me is asking for some space right now. Um, even inside of this lovely relationship that's so fulfilling in so many different ways. I don't think I'm, I don't think anything I'm saying is informing what you were talking about. I'm just kind of sharing my side of that, like to notice, to notice what happens when we come into the fulfillment of a wish or a desire and, and then wonder like, why, why isn't this as awesome or incompletely without any shadow, no fly in the ointment as I thought it would be when this, when this thing would happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hear solitude and loneliness is, I experience them very differently though. I love solitude. Yeah, and me spend too. A lot of time in it. That has a very different signature for me than feeling lonely. Okay. Because <laughs> I can be in solitude. I'm in solitude most of my life, you know, and I'm yeah. not lonely most of my life. But it's 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 for me. It's just it's it's mental. It's it's this. It's a mental creation that I'm experiencing. You know, it's like my my mind is locked onto stories that are just wholly not true. Mm-hmm. You know, like the loneliness I'm feeling is this sense of, it's this sense of, it's not that I don't feel loved. Cause it's just, it's just this outsider, like can't relate. It's very four. It's very Enneagram four. <laughs> like, are you sure you're not a four? Come on, brother. What's Come on. I said, are you sure you're not a four? Come on. I thought I was a four at first, but I'm then I realized like, the camp. truth is the fours are too, they're, it's a little too dire, their sense of everything. And when, when I was like, when I was hearing someone else talk about fours, I'm like, oh no, that's not me. I, I'm not <laughs> like, I wasn't a goth kid in, in, in high school, smoking the cigarette, talking about how everything was fucked all the time. I was the opposite <laughs> of that. Then. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. Uh, we, we fours do have a strong nihilistic streak <laughs> running running down our backbone somewhere along there. Yeah, like I, I really have to watch that holding in one hand, nothing. Ma- well, that's why when you were talking earlier, like one one hand, nothing matters. Maybe <laughs> all these things, and on the other hand, no, I know better than that. You know, so holding those opposites in each hand is is really quite an experience. You know. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually love, I feel, I love that I'm able to do that. And I feel I'm able to do that more and more in my life because that feels to me the most honest experience of life. It's like opposites are happening and alive and in truth at the same time often. Yes. And it's just remembering like we're expansive. Like we don't have to lock ourselves into one way of approaching anything. Yeah. And and it was, you know, coming into this episode, I mean, I, I had a feeling I would talk about some of this because it's what I'm feeling. And mm-hmm. then was also 
I feel like of all of our episodes, this is probably the most that I've gone in this direction in, yeah. in term, you know, and I was, it's like, I feel like what we do, what we're doing here, Jacob is also offering along with sharing truth, also offering things for people to hold on to instead of just being like, life sucks and everything's terrible. And yeah, that's how I'm feeling. So if you're feeling that that's great, you know, you're right. not alone, but, right. but I feel I, so I, I don't want to just, I don't want to say anything f- like false here just to kind of be teachery, but I, I also do want to <laughs> say that along with sharing everything yeah. I'm sharing that I do know it's going to pass. You know, that's, that is, that has been what's helping me is understanding that this is just what's happening right now. Another thing that's been helping me has been having some conversations with friends about what I'm experiencing. Um, Not only because it helps me feel less alone, which it definitely does that. um, But it is nice to have, you know, just, just people listening or different perspectives or their shared stories about what they're experiencing right now. You know, so I, I guess I just want to offer that because I, sometimes it can be tricky, this notion of even with writing, like, do you share what you're going through while you're going through it when you don't have some sort of nugget to Mm -hmm. offer people a takeaway that feels of value? Not that it's, not of value to know someone's going through something, but I, I feel, I feel inclined, I guess, to offer something along with just sharing it, even while I'm going through it. Yeah. Because I don't, yeah. Cause I, th- I, I think it's important, I guess, at least for what we're doing here. Yeah, no. And I appreciate you bringing attention to that. Um, and bring attention to the fact that there's value in, in this um, without trying to get overly bullet pointy about it. Like, okay, this is the value everyone needs to take away from what I'm talking about right now. But, 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 but bringing attention to the fact that there is value here. And and one thing I want to point out, Scott, is that what I just heard you say, um, it's so clear to me that one of the things we do here, and I really appreciate you going deeply into your, your feelings and things about these things today. I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are going to listen to this and go, that is so relatable. It's not the exact same situation, but it's so relatable to what I'm experiencing over here. And I feel like that's one of the big values is to process in front of people, to be willing to do that, to be willing to realize the process isn't going to seem tidy or linear um, and to trust, to trust the people who listen here, who are part of our listening community to recognize the fact that that is part of what's happening here. That is part of the value is, is like a lot of times we want to wait until we have the three step process that we learned from going through this process to share with people. But I think to understand that simply witnessing the process is of tremendous value. And also you said talking to my friends. So I just wanted to pull a few nuggets I heard out of that. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're willing to process honestly and and really in public in this way, and also that you shared some clues like, yeah, when I'm able to go talk to some friends and just, you know, somebody who doesn't have any particular investment in the situation, but I'm able to talk. What I heard from that, Scott, is you're able to feel safe enough to really feel seen and heard, which to me reduces that sense of isolation. Um, in a different way than it can with if we're 
doing it out loud with maybe someone who's more invested in the, whether it's a business partner, romantic partner or child or whatever, if they're invested in it, but to go and to find a safe friend and Julia calls them, um, um, believing mirrors, um, Julia Cameron, Uh. find somebody who we know isn't just going to agree with us, but they genuinely are cheering for us. They, they're not going to try to fix it, but they're going to reflect back to us the best parts. They're going to reflect back, back to us the value of what we're, what we're living, what we're demonstrating by living through whatever it is we're going through. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. A believing mirror. I like that. Yeah. That's what she calls yeah. a believing mirror. Yeah. That's She's sweet. like, your inner critic is already, you do not need to go find external critics. Like for during this part of the process, go find a believing mirror. You, you already yeah. are very, you're, so you're a ninja level at, at inner criticism. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I certainly know for me that isolation, like actually isolating myself is, is typically not the best thing that I can do for myself when I'm going through something. And I I suspect that's the case for a lot of people. And then also just knowing that, um, sometimes things suck and are hard. And even if you're talking to great friends you love and who are believing mirrors. And even if you have all the love in your life and you're, even if you're having great sex and even if you're in a relate, whatever it is, it's like, sometimes you can still be in a bad place. And I guess the, yeah, I don't, I I don't go in expecting that one conversation with a friend is going to be the thing that's going to pull me out of, of where I am, you know, and at the same time, it's nice to, to talk to people sometimes when you're going through stuff, both things are true. Well, and I think Scott, when when a person is like you, and you're very genuine and humble about this, but you are in the role of of teacher in a lot of people's lives, um, guide, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and it can it can have an added layer of difficulty of feeling safe enough to put the put the shields down and actually just go. This is what's going on, and those shields to me are part of what creates that sense of isolation. And I, as I was sharing with my community recently. Um, oh yeah, we were doing the doodling, um, therapeutic doodling workshop just, just a few days ago with Karen Channing. It was so really cool to watch people enter in and to watch how deep it went, how quick, how quickly. And at the end, I just said, I want to recap to remind you that not only is the value of this the experience itself where you, where you got to do inner work, you got to share it with others. You got to be witnessed. You got to feel more relaxed and free. Part of the value here though, is that we are practicing, we're practicing the act of dissolving that terrible sense of isolation by simply showing up here, whether you felt like it went super well for you today or not. The point is you're, you're making a practice of dissolving that sense of isolation by simply being in connection with, with other people who are joining with you in the intention to greater freedom, greater creativity, greater love in their lives. And I I watched a bunch of eyes come light up and go, Oh, so that's another reason to do these things. It's not, it's not just the doodling. It's not just the, it's, it's such a crucial component. I feel like in our world right now, because we think, I, th- I think that our rational minds think that we're much more connected than we really feel. Yes. Yeah. You're speaking to connection and community and yeah. it's critically important. I yeah. Mean, critically really, important. And yeah. I mean, it's, I was going to say it's everything. It's not everything, but it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, and it really, 
we know from talking with, you know, people who work in the suicide prevention world and all that, we know that the impossible task of getting out of bed and, um, you know, brushing our teeth and whatever it is that were the symptoms of depression. And I've certainly lived through that at times where everything seems impossible. And the I, very idea of going and meeting a friend by the river to walk or talk or meet for coffee, that sounds abhorrent also to that part of my, it's like, no, yeah. everything in me is pushing away what would be best for me, like taking a walk or meeting with a friend. Yeah. Um, but, but learning, learning the value of those practices and going and learning how to ask, what do I really need right now? And if the answer is I really need to, to give myself permission to crawl back under the covers, pull the blackout shades and have, and have a pajama day, that can be very valid. And there are times when now we've tipped over the line where it, that has value. And we, what we really need to do is go outside, wash our face and go see a friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, another thing I've been, I mean, I, again, this is something I feel like everyone listening, we all know this. But then I feel like I was shown it today Mm -hmm. in a clearer way or just aware of it in a clearer way. It's like my life today looks pretty much exactly like my life a week ago, let's say. But the way I feel today is entirely different. And Mm -hmm. it was so so glaring this morning as I was just sitting and drinking some tea how little – are unless there's like real trauma or severity in Mm -hmm. in that those conditions yes it's different but in terms of like when i'm looking at my life how little the outside circumstances of my life have to do with how i'm really feeling because the outside circumstances of my life are the same as they were a week ago and i'm feeling entirely different inside right which is just to say something we all know and we've all heard and we all have come to understand in our own ways. It isn't, it isn't about the, the new house or the car or the, the love affair or the whatever it is that's happening. Those things are all beautiful if they're adding beauty to your life or meaning to your life. But it's about the, it is about the relationship we create with ourselves and the healing work that we're doing with ourselves because when you are when you are working on those things there's a much better chance that you're going to be able to show up to the circumstances of your life with more peace and more groundedness no matter how they look and in general that's been my experience absolutely and even even these days where i've just feel feel like completely dominated by a mind hell bent on old wounds and stories and insecurities, there is still that like reservoir of, of healing work. That's, that is like, this is just what's going on right now, man. Yeah. There is a piece in that, that I didn't have. Yeah. That there's a guy, I don't know if he's still alive here in Boise, um, Robert Spencer and he wrote a book called The Way of the Warrior. It fell into my hand at Half Price Bookshop in in Austin, Texas, Scott. So, um, and that bookshop was kind of a vortex for me. I'd often would go in there and go, "Okay, I'm open. Um, what's what's important for me?" And I'd just start browsing, and some book would almost seem like it fell into my hand and be like the perfect thing for right then. But he wrote this book called The Way of the Warrior, 
And in that book, he was talking about, and it was really pulling in a lot of psychological, spiritual, shamanic understandings. Just, it was really a fascinating book. But I, one phrase in there really stuck out. And he's like, what, what is a crucial part of the warrior mindset is that you learn that you know what to do when you don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. that's what you just talked about. It's mm-hmm. like, this is destabilizing, it's distressing, it's all the things. And there's this bedrock of peace underneath that goes, this experience will pass. I do know what to do right now. I know how to breathe, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know? And so I, I just want to reflect that. That's what I heard. And what you just said was mm-hmm. that's to me, that's the evidence of healing and growth. That's so crucial. It's not that life never comes up with the other stuff that feels shitty, but it's more like, do we know what to do when things feel destabilized again? You know? Yeah. And, tr- and trusting. And again, I can say this because my, of my lived experience with it, it's like, yeah the more practiced you become at it, the more automatic it becomes so that it doesn't feel like I'm trying to force myself to find any peace with what I'm going through. It feels like there is a peace within me that I'm aware of that is reminding me as I'm going through this, that this is okay. This yeah. is this is a hard time and you'll get through it. And so I'm not having to work at that the way, you know what I mean? On top of like, dealing with all of the stories that are also trying to work my way to get to a peaceful center. It's trusting in the peaceful center that's there and that I fostered a relationship with and that shows up, you know, in these ways when I need it and is in helps to some degree, even though things still feel shitty. It's like, it's, (laughs) it's there helping things would feel shittier. No doubt. There's no question in my mind that what I, what my mind is telling me right now would be creating a much more brutal experience for myself. If I didn't feel rooted in a foundation of that peacefulness and self-love, you know, and I'm grateful for that. Well, and I'm also hearing Scott and you, you just said it. So I think I'm just restating it, but, um, now we're back to Viktor Frankl, you know, the, the, the gap between stimulus and response, therein lies our power of choice, therein lies our freedom. So what I'm hearing you say, uh, and feel free to refine this if I'm putting words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing you say is, um, you, by having this long history of, of practicing deep self-acceptance, deep self-love, you know, forgiveness, um, all these things, you've actually developed the emotional muscle, spiritual muscle to widen that gap, which means to me that had this been happening, the same exact circumstance been having during a different time of your life and you didn't have some of those tools really, really in your toolbox, um, the likelihood is you would be more reactive. You probably would actually take action then, react and take action that might actually make the situation worse. Would you say that's true or not? Yeah, all of what you just said. And the spiral of self yeah, yeah, love saying true things. so intense. Yeah. What'd you say? What was that? Yeah, yeah I love saying true things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, the spiral no, I was saying the, the self-loathing spiral is what would have been the much more intense. And I just feel like that is for me, that alone, just the fact that when these things are happening, I don't spiral into the self-loathing of old. Yeah. That for me is a miracle. Like 
a miracle. <laughs> it's a great give. It, you know what I mean? It's yes. It's everything. That by itself. That alone. If not, if if I if I benefited my life in no other way than that I'm less self-loathing and so much more self-loving, that would be great. Yeah. I'm reminded of um, the shamanic journey I went on a month or so ago. Um, and Lucas, during that journey, the, our guide, you know, he, he had this phrase and I'd never, I mean, it's, it's hard to find a, a spiritually self-helpy, uh, personal worky kind of phrase I probably haven't heard before, Scott, but, um, but I had never heard this particular version of it. He said, just remember, he's like, as you're going through these processes, as you're taking your journey, as the, you have these things that are, you know, either heavy and dark and scary or, or blissful. He said, just remember, this is not coming from outside of you. This isn't happening to you. It's coming out of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that again, this isn't happening to you. It's coming out of you. Mm-hmm. He said, and he said, and we, we can think of that really easily when it comes to negative experiences. Um, you know, I'm not a victim here, but he's like, it also is as important for the blissful experiences. This isn't happening to you. The, you're not feeling blissful right now because of your external circumstances. You're, this is a reflection of like, this is actually coming out of you, this bliss, this love, this joy, um, this is kind of this enthusiasm for life. And at the same time, the next day when everything's feeling dark and cloudy and shitty and, uh, lonely, it's like, it's not happening to you. It's coming out of you. It's the old beliefs, the old ways of being that are just trying to bubble up and come out. And I, it's been so helpful to me in the, in the last mm-hmm. month since then to really hold that and go, wow, that's a, that's a perspective that's very useful for me. Yeah. And if, if you're hearing what Jacob just said, especially about the heavy stuff that's coming out of you with any sense of overwhelm, because there's so much of it coming out of you, yeah, um, it's, it's totally human. It's totally, that's totally normal. Like for me, the more, the more awake we become to who we are, the more aware we become of our stories. Like when we're, when we're seeing more and more of it with clear eyes, it's, I really believe for myself, it's because I'm ready to see it in a new yeah, way. And, and I experience this again and again in my life. And that, that because as much as I've often said, you can't really lie to yourself. And I, I genuinely believe that to an extent but especially if you're if you're on some yeah. sort of path to to healing and growth like it's you can tell yourself lies but you don't you can feel in your body that you're not really believing them <laughs> and at the same time i think that we can shut things down to such a degree in our lives and function on autopilot or like a zombie to such an intense degree in our lives that we are essentially lying to ourselves by burying our our core truths or, or what it is we really want to be doing with a whole host of of stories. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this. I guess what I want to say is that if you're there's something for me really positive when mm. life is showing me now look at this story. Now look at this story. Now look at this. Now look at this. It's like I and even in these this past these past days of feeling like I've been feeling there has been a very genuine gratitude because I feel like I'm being just shown clearly like my own, my own stories, my own triggers, my own wounds. 
And even though they're heavy to see that they're, it's heavy to see how heavy they still are. It's also like, okay, this is good information, right? This is going to help me be more, take more responsibility for how I'm showing up in the context of these relationships in my life. It's, it's going to help me bring ownership to it. Even if I'm not able to heal it, it's going to help me shine a light on it and see like, Hey, you're not just a, totally fucked up human like this happened to you as a child and it makes sense that this might get triggered in you when something like this is said to you or you know what i mean all of this makes sense and that can be helpful as well just to know that well and i think it's also you said it earlier scott but the the extremely sensitive wiring that you showed up with you know that is such a superpower and that gives you the ability to reflect things that other people might miss about other people. So you're able to reflect people's beauty. Um, it gives you the ability to guide with intuition, you know, and it's also, so, I mean, it's such a superpower, but it's also such an Achilles heel Mm -hmm. because, you know, that same level of sensitivity, it's like, you know, it's like walking around the world with, with no skin on. I mean, the nerving, the nerve endings are, are amplified. And I think everyone is sensitive. I think most, most people got turned down early in life to where a lot of people have the story. I'm just not very sensitive. I think the answer is most of us are highly sensitive people, Yeah, being an HSP or whatever is not necessarily this great big badge. Like I think deep down, everyone is deeply, deeply sensitive. Um, but, but, but then just like we have varying degrees of gifts. I mean, I saw a musician the other day and he's a young guy and he just sat down and was playing the guitar and it just blew me away how amazingly skillful he was. And I'm, I'm a musician and I don't have that same facility, that same ease with that particular gift. So I feel like in the more psychological, emotional, spiritual realms, there, there are plenty of gifts that some people have more of than others, you know? Um, just like some people are amazing at math and I'm not, <laughs> I want to read you this though, Scott. Um, it said, it, it does not attribute it to anyone, but it says the degree, the degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. Hallelujah. Yeah. The degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. And my sister posted that and I stole it immediately from her, of course. Um, And then we were chatting about it and I just said, man, isn't it interesting how our mind automatically, at least mine does, automatically goes to the things. Yeah. the, the, The punishment of looking at the dark, ugly part of myself is so important. Um, and that's the degree of growth. And, and Emily was like, yeah. And I think we're often afraid of the beautiful parts of ourselves, the mm-hmm. magnificent mm-hmm. parts. Like, so it's as important to hold ourselves against the fire of our best qualities and learn to accept and learn why we've been pushing those things away, yeah. um, from, from our experience as it is to look at the shitty stuff, you know? Absolutely. I mean, do you, do, us, yeah. do you feel like, cause with, being in the role of, you know, teacher to some or pe- perceived as such, it's like, I think in, I think however many years ago, I might not have wanted to talk about when I was going through things because I probably felt like on some level, I think it was, there was more ego invested sure. in it. I mean, as much as I was, I've been pretty honest with 
my experiences from the start and mm-hmm. I've held back, but now it feels more like I want to be, <laughs> I want to be of benefit to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel, and I, and I don't, I know this is of benefit, but it's like, do you feel hesitant to really share when you're in something because of how people who are receiving your work might interpret it? Or, or do you worry at all that by sharing when you're in it, you might be sending a message that is like, everything sucks and this is shit. You know what I mean? Like, does this, like, how do you, how do you work with that stuff? Well, I was thinking, Scott, I used to write much more emotional social media posts, you know, Um, you know, like a lot more emotional talking about whatever I'm going through. And one thing I found was um, that felt good. And I used to get a lot of attention for it. And then I noticed, oh, I'm actually doing this more for the attention than I am for the, relief of sharing something. And I also noticed, and this was something that I didn't learn until I went through men's group for some years. Um, because in men's group, they say one of the key components of this is you get to share and nobody is going to the agreement here is we don't give unsolicited advice. In fact, we don't even talk about what just got shared, um, without express permission because, if somebody who is just now learning how to be vulnerable shares, and then there's this crowd of advisors who want to get around and tell them how to fix it, you know, the men's group leader, Michael would say, listen, that, oftentimes that makes you feel, that makes that person feel like they're not safe anymore. Like now they're being picked mm-hmm. apart. They have to defend it. They have to take action when what they needed to do was share. Right. Um, and I, this is my long ass way of, <laughs> of saying, uh, you know, what I've, what I'm learning to do more of is go, what do I need right now in this feeling of wanting to share? And is this of value to others? Do And and if I share this publicly, whether it's in a group or whether it's just the wide world on social media, if people do what people are going to do, which is, you know, project their own projection on what's going on or give me their advice unsolicited though it might be, or try to fix it, or say something nasty, or say something overly gushy and supportive. Whichever parts of that make me feel like, oh shit, now I feel lonely again, even though I just shared something vulnerable. Maybe it's not a good time to share that. So I, I've been learning to ask myself, what what do I need in this, That's and great. what would I need on the other side of it? So if I'm going to put this out there, and I know this thing is likely to generate a lot of conversation, but a lot of that conversation is going to make me feel small and even mad or isolated inside that I shared in the first place. Like now I regret sharing that because all you motherfuckers came and gave me all the (laughs) advice. So if that's going to happen, maybe, maybe I haven't processed it enough for it to be ready for a broader audience. You know, maybe I need to process this with, with my buddy Scott Stabile on the phone, uh, not on for the podcast, but just actually have a safe space with a friend to talk about it. You know, does does that answer your, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's a great question to be asking ourselves in general. What do I need? Yeah. What do I need right now to... Yeah. And what's needed here? Like, yeah, what's needed here? You know, what do I need? And then what am I serving with this next thing? Am I, am I really certain? Cause I would find that I would get, I would actually get mad. I would post something vulnerable, get a lot of stuff going on about it. 
And then I would actually be mad. I would, I would walk away feeling small and, and angry and isolated and more lonely than I had before. Yeah. And I'd be like, why is that? What is going on? Oh, and it's because I was, I was exposing sensitive truths to audiences who didn't, that I didn't need what they were going to give me back from it. Um, and I even have some friendships, you know, at varying levels where I know that if I go hang out with this person, it's not going to be an equal exchange in the conversation. And, and I love this person and that's awesome. So it just, all that does is, is help me inform Oh right! If I go meet with them four times a week, I'm going to start feeling more and more drained. Yes, but I love meeting with them once a month. You know, and they're yes. not, I'm not cutting them out of my life. <laughs> yes, that's you know? so. I love that you just shared that. Yeah, that's important to think about that because I think sometimes that's such a great example. Because I have people in my life where I feel like it's not an equal exchange. Yeah, you know, and. But the idea that it feel it's the resentment builds if there's a lot of hanging out where you're being shown how unequal that exchange is. But like you, I love them and they are people I want in my life. And you're right. You can we can we don't have to lock ourselves into a way of being simply because that's how it's been. We can always be looking at, well, wait a minute, this is starting to feel awkward or uncomfortable or I'm getting resentful. Is there another way to approach this that might feel better? Yeah. Do you mind if we circle back just for a minute to that word destabilization? Yeah, sure. I know we're, I can't believe how quickly this hour has gone, Scott. It must, that must be an indicator we haven't talked enough lately. It just feel like <laughs> it flew by. By the way, I spent, I did, oh, oh, let me see if I can make Scott jealous. Um, I spent two hours with, with one of your lovers yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I got to meet uh, Peleg and. Um, my God, I love that guy. Uh, I can yeah. see why you're attracted to him. You know, I'm straight dude. And I'm like, my God, that's a beautiful, elegant human being right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy you two are connected. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. It was so cool. And I, I wanted to bring it up earlier because I'm really excited about we're going to we're going to be offering a sampler of his 100 day creative high growth program for for our community and for everyone who wants to jump in on that um, in December. So I'm really excited about this guy has so much, we have so much in common, um, yeah. self-discovery, self-acceptance, getting into the core of what creativity really is, not just the word. So I'm, I, anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. Like, oh my God, um, I, what, a, what a special human he is. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so excited he's going to do something for your community because he, what he's offering is really special. Well, and it's intensive, my God. And so yeah. I, what, I'm, what he and I are working on is like, is there an intermediate engagement that we could create? Yeah. That is not the same thing as his because his his creative high growth program is I am so impressed with it, and I did the introductory the introductory yeah. session and and actually did the whole thing. Oh, I should probably hold up one of the, one of the yeah. Ones. I was going to ask you. I didn't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh no, no, sure, I'll do it. This is going to this is also going to reveal just just how vain my mind really is. Um, no, but there are all these exercises and, and, uh, Peleg said, Hey, before we have this next conversation, we were having a second meeting yesterday. And so before that, he's like, before this, I would really love it if you're willing to invest the time to actually experience part of what I'm talking about rather than just have me talk about it. And, you know, I'm busier right now in my life than I have literally ever been. And that's hard to imagine, but, um, and I committed to doing it. And so, um, and I did it and, and, oh my God, I mean, 
he said, was anything like really earth shattering or new for you? Or like, like we are, we we are in the same pool here. Um, so nothing was nothing was like unfamiliar to me, but it was so it was such a gift to be invited back into it in the way that you yeah. do that. Um, yeah. One of the exercises that he has you do though is um, is draw a self portrait from memory. So you're not looking in a mirror, or your phone, or anything, or a picture of yourself. You're just drawing from memory. So I so I so I was sitting there, and, he's, and it's as fast as you can. I love so, it. That's so a great self portrait, man. I love I text, it. I texted it to Scott and I said, apparently my memory of myself is that, that I'm Chris Pine's older brother. <laughs> <laughs> you could be. <laughs> so anyway, that but anyway, I'm I just wanted to it really was kind of non sequitur that I that I bring uh Peleg into it, but I just wanted to, to give some airtime to that because I just I just love and I love his the spirit from which he's bringing it forth and um, his commitment to people and yeah and all of that. So, um, but destabilization, I just briefly return to that because I feel like it's a big word. It's being used a lot out there. I think we forget how commonplace it is. And with my clients, sometimes if someone's going through a period of real intensity, destabilization, feeling like their world is just rocked hard. Um, I'll say, well, Remind me about your life. What's been going on? What what has changed? Oh, well, yeah, I just moved and um, my job is a little bit uncertain. It looks like where there's been some layoffs and yeah, we're, I'm having trouble with my relate, you know, so you start, so you start looking at the, the major, if you can imagine life as a table with four legs and you take one leg out. So maybe you just move, but everything else is, you know, pretty solid. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take much energy to hold that table uh, upright. If you pull two of those legs out, now you you have to expend solid um, amount of energy to keep the table level. And if you pull three of the legs out, it's a full-time job and you, it might be really hard to hold it perfectly level. And so I like to remind us all that there might be what seem like just sort of the landscape of your life or mundane details that are actually pretty big destabilizing factors. So if you're feeling really chopped up and shaken right now or dark or heavy or whatever it is, if we could just all take a breath together Hmm. and go, if we're going through things that are destabilizing, the rational part of our mind might say that's no big deal. But if the, if your inner self is saying, this is a big deal, this is important. I don't know what to do next. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling small, um, whatever it might be. We can just give that part of ourselves a, a, a hug. And just like we would do with a small child who needs to be reassured, say, everything's gonna be okay. I promise everything's going to be okay and come back into this moment in which let's just make the assumption. If you're listening to this, you're probably not, you know, in severe physical danger right now. So in this very moment right now, I have enough. I am enough. There is enough. I can relax into that. And then just that breath, just that momentary shift in consciousness can be that thing that allows us to settle down into the ground of our being, the part of ourselves that already knows that everything's all right, you know? Mm, Beautiful. What a great way to end it. Thank you, man. It's up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart. Before your mind decides it's too much 
it's up to you to choose It's up to you to choose